to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. I love getting to come to this house and to bless the Lord together. I have just the privilege this morning. My name's Tommy Spencer. I'm the family pastor. If I haven't met you, thank you, Pastor Jeff, for leading us through this Advent series of just getting to do an introduction uh, into love. And then we're gonna hear a powerful testimony from Zeb and Melissa Wilson. Have you enjoyed the testimonies? Come on, somebody. As they get a chance just to testify. And here's what it is. Advent, what is Advent? It's, it's a celebration of hope, of peace, of joy, of love. How many know that God is the source of every one of those? A few of you. How many know that God is the source of every one of those? So if you need some hope today, he's got unlimited measures for you. If you need some more peace today, some more joy today, love today, I got good news for you. His heart is wide open to you, and he's just looking for another heart who would be ready to what? Receive so that you can be blessed by it and then just go bless somebody else. How many know that he is still the king of kings and he's still the Lord of lords? And we have a reason to celebrate See, Advent is just an opportunity for us to what? Prepare our hearts to make sure that as this season comes and goes, we don't miss the most important thing. It's the birth of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Because we know that Jesus then would what? Be a model of how we're to live as sons and daughters underneath a good, good father and that ultimately he would give his life for us. That's the greatest act of love so that today we would have hope, peace, joy, and love in limited measures. And so I wanna just do a quick introduction as Pastor Jeff asked me to, to uh, just bring us into the subject of love today. Immediately, I just heard John 3.16. Does anybody know John 3.16? I know we know it, but I want us, the NIV version is gonna be on the board. I'll probably say the version I learned, but let's just say, let's just do the best we can. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, what, should not perish but have everlasting life. Would anybody agree God is love? And is anybody thankful that it's unconditional? It's not based on what you've done or gonna do, good or bad. He is love and that is for all of us. And that's, that's good news today. But there's two words I want us to focus on in that. For God so loved the world he gave. Everybody say he gave. Do you know the best gift that you can receive this Christmas is a greater measure of the love of God so that this world can encounter what? A greater measure of the love of God. How many know you're gonna encounter some people that just need some love? Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, give them kingdom love and watch God do a miracle in their hearts. But you what? You have to first receive 
Because what we've freely, what, been given, we get to steward and we get to what? Give it away. I'm so thankful, watch this, that God loves you, that will never change, that Jesus proved it, he continues to prove it, and the Holy Spirit seals it, and he reminds us every day, my God is love. And I think if you read the Bible, if he is love and he's in you, then guess what? You are love. Can you tell the person next to you, you are love? I won't make you repeat this to each other, but basically you're the answer that this world is looking for because if you've received it, it's the greatest gift we can give away. How many of you are in the, in the, in the, in the middle of getting some gifts and you gotta find that perfect gift? Okay, nobody, all right? You guys are all in trouble, all right? I just wanna say to you, just take a deep breath and just go, I get it, there's a, a monetary situation and all that type stuff, but if you want to give one gift this Christmas, how about we give greater measures of the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and watch God do a miracle in their life like he's done in ours. There's greater measures of it. First John verse. Chapter three, verse 16, I love this. So John three sixteen talks about God's love that he gave his son Jesus. And then first John three sixteen says, here's the evidence of that love. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then it says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Do you know this? Jesus, we're all made in the image of God, and he is the perfect theology. Don't ever get in a debate over what's true and what's not true. If you ever find yourself in a debate over the word of God, just start talking about Jesus. There we go. You know what I'm saying? He's perfect theology. He's perfect theology. Jesus is love, all right? He is love. He laid down his life. He is what we are to imitate. And so I'm just gonna ask somebody today as we get ready to bring Zeb and Melissa up, how are you demonstrating the love that you've received from God and how is your family getting the best of that? How are you choosing to love your spouse? How are you choosing to love your kids? How are you choosing to love your parents? Come on, is this not the kingdom of heaven? And God, I wanna love them the way you love me. I was reminded of something that happened almost 20 years ago around this same time when I was a youth pastor in Childress, Texas. We made a trip to Wichita Falls because we didn't have a Walmart. I'm gonna date myself, all right, back in that time, all right? So it, it was about midnight. By the time we got there, we were doing some late-night Christmas shopping. And how many know that sometimes you'll find yourself at just the right place at just the right time because God wants to watch this, use the love that he's given you so someone else can encounter God's love too. You know you got it when you're willing to give it away. Who are you giving it to? And there's a book that's written about this um, my friend Jay, I met him that night in Walmart. It was at midnight on aisle seven. He would later write a book about it just called Midnight on Aisle Seven. And here's what happened. He noticed me and I noticed him. And how many of you know that you can begin to feel that God is moving your heart with his heart for someone else? And it's in that moment, will you just be obedient and take a step of faith and just go and let God put words? The disciples even asked, they said, well, I know you want us to go, but what are we supposed to say? Anybody ever been there? 
This isn't something you prepare in advance. This is something he's already prepared in advance. He's just looking for an open heart. And I didn't have words when I went to him, but just like Jesus told the disciples, he says, you go and I'll put the words there. Can anybody testify? I preached some good messages to people. I didn't even know that was in me. Come on. That's the Holy Spirit of God. He's not looking for your knowledge of God. He's looking for your yieldedness to God. And we had a four or five minute conversation. It was quick. And how many of you know that the love of God can do a miracle in one moment? I would later find out that Jay had a calling on his life to do ministry, but he felt disqualified because in a a hard moment in his life, he tried to take his own life, and the enemy had convinced him that he was now disqualified because of that choice he made. Does anybody hate that the enemy's a deceiver and a liar? Then let's do something about it and let God move our hearts with his for somebody else so that we can step in and remind them you're not disqualified because the blood of Jesus is what qualifies you. And in that moment, God began to heal and restore and redeem. I took his number down in the next two or three days. How many know you just can't get away from something? And it was like the Lord said, so are you gonna invite him to now come and speak to your students? Granted, the lost world will look and go, you just met him. But how many know the Holy Spirit can do something far more superior? And I picked up a phone and I called him and two weeks later, Jay came and presented the gospel to our group of students in Childers, Texas. And there were a dozen students that gave their heart to Jesus Christ that night. That's the love of God. But it didn't stop there. Jay has continued to walk in the truths and promises. He has a ministry called Harvest Ministry. He reaches out to those who struggle with suicide. He travels the world doing crusades. And I kid you not, over hundreds of thousands have said yes to Jesus because at midnight on aisle seven, the love of God wanted to be released because of what had been given. Come on. That's the kingdom of heaven. You've got a story, and it starts with Jesus. So now let the Holy Spirit move your feet. And when he moves your heart with his for somebody else, open up your mouth and watch the kingdom of heaven be advanced. And that's why we're doing these testimonies. So you can hear, as, and you'll hear them say this out of Revelation, we overcome the enemy by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. Will you welcome Zeb and Melissa Wilson as they come and testify to God's love? Good morning, church. Good morning. I was telling the first service, um, probably hadn't been this nervous since I played sports in high school, and then throughout the Marine Corps, we would do like pre-combat checks, get ready to go on missions, um, and you got that good butterfly, right, that I'm about to go into and, and give everything I got into something, and so I think I'm a little less nervous now, though, but... Not me. But just want to introduce ourselves. My name is Zeb Wilson. This is my beautiful wife, Melissa. Um, 22 years, almost 22 years of marriage. And, uh, you know, God is, is love. But I think you'll hear in our testimony today that there was many years, many occasions, many times where we didn't really know what that meant, right? We didn't know what his love was for us. And so before we get into that, I think uh, Melissa wants to share how we got here. 
It was funny. One day I was driving home and Zeb calls and he says, hey, Kay just called and he wants us to give our testimony. And I'm like, bye. And just, uh, that's scary, scary, scary. And I, I remember I was listening to the song, No Hurt by Casting Crowns and, and began writing things down. One night at the Pill Barn, um, Tommy spoke on writing down just different moments, different so that we can truly reflect back on his goodness. And so um, that song, you know, was something that I had written down. And, but immediately Satan began to lie, saying, we are not ready for this. Um, I love Jesus. That's my testimony. I, I'm a school counselor. I talk to little people all day. Big people make me nervous. So I, we're not ready for this. Um, but I also am a not today Satan kind of girl. And I quickly said, not today, Satan. First um, Thessalonians 2, 4 tells us we're here to please God, not people. And so I knew that this was meant to be for us. I wanted us both to feel that. Um, and so we just began to really pray about it. Yeah, throughout, throughout that prayer, um, literally two days later, we go to small group and Tommy's speaking about the power of testimony. And, and we knew right then when he said, you know, Revelation 12, 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the power of a testimony. He literally, felt, I felt like he was literally speaking to us. And I knew at that moment, like, there's no question about it. We need to be there. This is um, something we need to do. I didn't listen. Apparently, I missed that our word was love. And so it was crazy because even one night, Zeb comes home and he starts speaking um, this verse. There was a certain verse that I Bible journaled. His dad stopped over, said the same verse, um, which was 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So when we met up with Cade, and I was like, well, what's our word? And, and he says, love. I was going, oh, God, you're good. Okay, we're, we're ready for this. Um, but looking back 22 years ago on our wedding program, that verse was on our wedding program. And... Note to self, if that is still a thing, read the verse that's on your wedding program, <laughs> learn it, um, and, and, and practice it, because that was the very verse that saved our marriage. So real quick, just a little bit about me, and then I'll give Melissa a chance to say the same. You know, I grew up, my family, uh, my parents got divorced before I could even remember. So I grew up in a split house. My father's, you know, side and then my mother's side. I have brothers and sisters on both sides, stepbrothers and sisters on both sides. Um, but it was like polar opposites. One house um, was all about discipline and structure and going to church and things like that, which was my father's house. And then my mother's house, it was very chaotic. Um, lots of, of drugs at the time. I didn't know it when I was a little kid. But, it, you know, you get older, you realize, like, Something's not right. Um, you know, spending a lot of time 
basically taking care of my brothers and sisters because my mother and my stepfather were just completely strung out on drugs. So I found out immediately that, or, or realized immediately that when it was our turn to get married later down the road, I knew what I didn't want because of what I saw as a kid. Um, and when I grew up, it was it was typical. Uh, we were um, from a divorced home as well. And so I remember Zeb, uh, you know, we were out in the back patio before, and I'm thinking, okay, we're both from divorced homes. I'm, I'm marrying a Marine. Our children are going to do wall sits and, and clean toilets with toothbrushes. Let's do this. Um, a, a little intimidating, but but it's working. Not with wall sits and toilets, so. <laughs> Just sometimes. So um, we got married in, in 2001. I was in the Marine Corps for about a year, and I came home about to go overseas, and um, my best friend and her best friend had a kid together. And so I went over to visit them, and she was there, and next thing you know, 10 days later, I'm overseas, and six months later, I come home. Three months later, I proposed to her, and then six months later, we're married. So we literally spent a couple of weeks together before we got married. My mom loved that. Real smart. Um, so as soon as we, we literally, I got married at Temple Baptist Church. That's where I was um, baptized at 19 years old, or actually I was 20. Right before I joined the Marine Corps, I got baptized the day before I went to boot camp. And uh, we got married there. We literally got in her car, drove to Taos, New Mexico, spent two days there, and then met my best friend and her parents with all our stuff in Oceanside, California. So it was just a really quick thing. Uh, and then I spent a lot of time in the field training. And so not a lot of time we spent developing our marriage. And then 9-11 happened. So the world changed as we knew it. And I spent a lot of time overseas. Um, but really, what I wanted to say is, is we were the typical family. No kids, having fun, cutting it up. But we were Christians, right? Um, Changed duty stations, still the same. No kids. She graduated from the University of Oklahoma in 2007. Boomer. Um, <laughs> I got out of the Marine Corps in 2007, and we both came back to Amarillo with, and, and really just got blessed with getting our career started, good jobs, those types of things. But again, we lived for the world. We had learned to live a life that was wearing a mask. We were lukewarm Christians. We didn't put our faith in God first. Um, and in our, our, you know, we were blessed with a, with a beautiful baby girl. Like I said, tremendous jobs, good careers. But we gave everything to our jobs, to our friends, to everything but each other. And um, we had learned to live that life, right? Um, and the big thing that I want to emphasize is, is that it's because of God's faithfulness that we learned a different way. In um, 2013, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And through that is when my faith just, it grew. I spent so much time in his word, trusting in him, um, and, and hopeful, my prayer would always just be, I just don't want to see her suffer. And in 2016, she happened to be in a car accident. She calls me. I remember where I was. 
She says, I was just in a car accident. They're taking us um, to the hospital. I actually asked if I could sit in the front seat of the ambulance because I'm just right down the street. Take me home. I'm good. Um, And so when I met her at the hospital, I remember her, um, her everything was just perfect. She was happy. She was fine. Um, They come in and they say, "Um, she has a brain bleed. We need to do brain surgery uh, immediately. And Zeb and I helped to um, get her up to the, the surgery floor. And I remember her saying, she looked up and she said, just make me smarter. And what little did I know when um, my mom wouldn't wake up, but I didn't see her suffer. And I could genuinely praise her in the storm, but I could not praise him in the storm that we were going through. Uh, we, we were struggling. We were struggling big time. I could love everybody the way that God loved them, see them the way that God saw them, but I couldn't do that for Zeb. I remember being on my knees, just, I was done. I, our, our marriage was over, and he spoke, your hurt will be used for me. So we... Um, which was just the song I was listening to as Kate calls um, Zeb to tell us we're giving this testimony. So we're in this together. Uh, there was a testimony here at church, and the, um, I reached out afterwards, and she really just said, hey, I want you to just sit on this verse. Learn it. Learn it. Um, meditate on it, which was 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. So I'm going to spend a couple of minutes just talking about that First uh, Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. We kind of grouped them together, but the intent here is to, is to talk about what it's supposed to be, not what we thought it was. So love is patient, love is kind. Patience is being purposeful, persistent, and perspective-driven. You know, kind, being kind. Think about Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Those are the fruits of the spirits, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, etc. And I get to love on little people all day, and sometimes that doesn't look cute. It's getting kicked and, and, and hair pulled, but I could genuinely say I would love them the way that Jesus loved them. Um, but once again, I'd come home, and that was hard. That was hard for me to do to my family. Yeah, I, I really think for many years it was super hard for me to be um, patient. And I think those who know me know that I'm only patient when I put a rifle in my hand. I have the chance to then wheel in and to focus on something outside of it. Um, But I didn't really, for many years, I didn't have any patience for for Melissa, um, her thoughts, her emotions. And really, um, showing kindness to her on a daily basis was some, not something that I did a lot. So that's definitely something that, that, you know, we learned throughout the years is like reading this and truly understanding it now, like that we, we weren't even close to doing that. Um, love does not dishonor others and keeps no record of wrongs, dishonor and manipulating others, bringing shame or disgrace. Um, you know, record of wrongs, don't add up wrongs, rather look at Jesus. In Romans 5, 8, he says, while we were still sinners, he died for us. Forgiveness was something I was also, I felt like I could, I could do. I get to teach people um, all day empathy, positive intent, 
Um, we get to forgive, not for the other person, but for our own heart. Um, but forgiving Zeb and keeping count of the number of times that he did something wrong, you could guarantee I did that. And you can probably assume um, I was hard-headed big time. So, you know, anything that she could do wrong, I probably did the opposite. Um, I was really good at bringing up what she wasn't doing. I wasn't really good at looking what she was doing for our marriage, for us as a couple, for um, our daughter. I used what she was not doing as an excuse to behave in ways that I probably shouldn't have and downright just sometimes just shut down and said, I'm not talking, you know. Um, And really, let's talk now. Love is not proud. It's not self-seeking. Pride, Christian love is not proudful. It's not focused on oneself. But I'll be the first to be up here to tell you, like, that was my Achilles heel. You know, over the last 23 years of my life, I've been a leader for 20 of it, managing folks, making decisions, doing all kinds of things, and I got really good at it, and I'm not trying to boast at all. But that was my Achilles heel, thinking that I could take what I could do at my job and what I could do at everywhere else and figure out the way on my own. So I would always figure out that way. And when I do, by doing that, what I would do is, we're, we all have different things in life, right? Problems, money, you know, relationships, circumstances, all these things. What I was doing was, is I was making it me against problems, me against people, me against circumstances. And I wasn't, putting the priorities in line to put God first. And when you do that, you can see things through a God filter. You make things, decisions become easier because it's not about you. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And I want to emphasize, he said opposed. He didn't say dislike. God dislikes proud, prideful people. But oppose, that means he can't stand it. He's ready to go to battle against it. He opposes the pride, the proud, and takes uh, favor in the humble. Um, you know, I said I got uh, saved when I was 20 years old, and even though I wasn't doing a lot of things right, God kept pulling on me. He kept pulling on me, and hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. And I started evaluating a lot of things. Um, Deuteronomy 6.5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Later on in the New Testament, Jesus actually said the same thing in Matthew 22. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But was I really doing that? I don't think so. Um, Pastor Jeff spoke earlier this year about purpose statements. Number one was knowing God. Do you know him? Does he know you? For me, I had a lot of room to grow, finding freedom, discovering my purpose. Outside of being a leader, I didn't know what that was, right? Making a difference. I can tell you right now, I wasn't doing anything in this church to make a difference for those that may need to be made a difference to. Um, And then I went to the men's retreat. You know, we heard testimony last week about how powerful that was. And for me, man, it put me on my knees. It really did. Um, Shep was able to humble me in ways that in 43 years of my life, I'd never been humbled. 
through a lot of different things. But he talked about the four guarantees in life, and I think he shared it on that Sunday here as well. Number one is we're all going to be born. Number two, we're all going to die. The third is we all will be judged. And the fourth is is it's eternal. There's no coming back from it. And then he broke down the four types of people. The first is those who know God and God knows them. They live for God. There's no disconnection there. Are they going to fall short? Absolutely, we're human. We're born with sin in our heart. Second, or excuse me, the fourth, I'm going to fast forward to the fourth, is those who don't even pretend to know God. They're straight up non-believers. And you can't fault them for that because they're not ashamed of it. And then the two in the middle, twos are the ones that are saved, but they live their lives sometimes like fours. They're not all in. They're the ones that, ah, I'm going to do this one day and I'm not going to do that the next. And then you have your threes. Your threes are the ones that think they're saved, but they're not. They're the ones that Jesus doesn't know, that God doesn't know. And I was convicted big time. I knew I was a two as soon as he said that. There was no question about it. I believed in him, but I didn't live for him. I was selfish. I was living a life with one foot in faith and one foot out. And that's not fair to him. I was not humble. I lived like a three or four at times. But the Spirit told me that weekend, we were cut up, and those of you guys that went to the men's retreat, um, we played cornhole till like 1130 on Friday night talking smack to each other and all kinds of stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> but I go back to my fifth wheel, and myself and, and a fellow uh, church member here, Kyle Higgs, were staying in my fifth wheel, and I laid in my bed till like 2 o'clock in the morning. Was, I just couldn't sleep. And I knew God spoke to me that day, and he said, it's not about you. It's never been about you. And it's not good enough for you to just know who I am. You need to learn how to serve me. And that's the first time in a long time that I felt like I was falling short and I had to do something different. You know, in Ephesians 5 tells us that we're supposed to love our wives the way that Christ loved the church. But do we really? Or are we just worried about the emotional love when we don't get the hug? That's not the love that Jesus gave. He gave agape love. That love is realistic. It's sacrificial. It's purposeful. It's personal. We take care of ourselves. We brush our teeth, comb our hair, take a shower, some of us. Um, but do we really take the time to do that with our wives, with our children? Are we being sacrificial with our time, with our resources, with those things? And most importantly, purposeful. Men, we have been called to be the leaders of our house. Are we? I tell you right now, I was not. She prayed more than I did. My prayer was in the car when I drove to work. But since that day, you know, as a Marine and, and just, I'm a hard-headed guy. I'm telling you that right now. Um, You know, we, we don't want to open up. A lot of times we want to stay in our shell. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We'll push others to get out of their comfort zone and leadership capacity, 
but we don't want to face what's truly going on inside. So we don't get involved in small groups. We don't go out there and push ourselves to be a servant leader, not just a leader. And I, I look back and I think about, let's look at the life of Jesus. Really, truly look at what a leader was. He was the strongest man that, that I've ever studied. And I've read a lot of books on combat and all these other things to try to make myself stronger and smarter. But he was humble. I wasn't. I mean, I was humble at work, but not in my own marriage. He even washed the feet of his disciples. That's how humble he was. He did exactly what he expected them to do. He endured more temptation than any of us in this room will ever, ever face combined. 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no, no nothing. He endured that. The big thing, and, and I'm going to leave the men. Actually, I'll turn it over to you real quick. The world gives us many, many reasons to give up on loving people, loving our spouses. Um, but I know for us, uh, when Mark 10, 9 says, therefore, what God joined together, let no man separate. Satan tried very hard. Many times. Many times. But... Um, we can't stop fighting. Um, we have to cling to his word, get up every day and put on that armor and, and put it on with such confidence. Um, I was reading a devotional one night and it talked about the plan for us isn't perfect because we're perfect. The plan is perfect because God is perfect. As we think about God at work in us, we remind ourselves that imperfect as we are, God is perfection and has a plan for us. The plan is perfect because it comes from the perfect planner. And I, he's not done with us yet. No, not even close. So talking about the armor, we realize that the only offensive weapon that we have against the enemy is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon. A couple of years ago, I had a, a lunch with Pastor Jeff, and I barely knew him. He barely knew me. And I was telling him my woes and all this, poor pity me stuff. And he looked at me, and he said, when was the last time you read your Bible? And it was a great question, because at that time in my life, probably months. And he said, you were a Marine, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, don't y'all train all the time? Don't y'all prepare for battle? Don't y'all practice all the time? Absolutely. You can't expect to win the battle by not preparing yourself, right? Practice and prepare, preparation should be harder than the actual battle. That's the, that's the hope, right? Any coach will tell you that. I'm going to push you harder today and practice then and you're going to be pushed in the game so that way you'll be prepared for it. But at the end of the day, what I realized was, is I wasn't preparing myself for the fight. I could do it in everything in life, but I couldn't do it in my own personal life. So I'm gonna leave the men with a challenge. Because I don't know about you, I don't listen unless somebody challenges me. General, or excuse me, Admiral William McRaven, he was a four-star admiral in charge of the entire Special Operations Command of the United States government, uh, DOD. 
He gave a commencement speech at the University of Texas about changing the world. And he said, one decision can change the world. And he was specifically talking about leadership. Men, that decision we have is to lead our families. Are we doing that? Do we have other twos in here? Do we have threes? Are we leading our families in our spiritual lives? If we're not, fix it. That's a challenge. Fix it. I'll leave you with this, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of those three is love. Thank you, guys. So good, so good. I want us to stand together. I want to give the Lord just an opportunity as we finish up this service, just to demonstrate his love for every one of us in this room. So I want you just to close your eyes just for a moment. And here's, here's how I believe the Lord wants to demonstrate his love in this moment. Is as a son, as a daughter, even if you don't know the Lord right now, today's the day of salvation. You can cry out to him. And you can give your heart to Jesus right now in this moment. There's gonna be a couple of ministry teams here. I'll have them come forward. But I want you right now to let God demonstrate his love to you in this way. Would you just ask? Would you just ask, God, what's in your heart right now that you want me to have in my heart? Just ask him that question. And just listen. You'll hear a word, you'll see a picture. Remember, he gave. And Jesus said yes. And all he's looking for right now is an open heart that will say yes too. And that looks like receiving. So whatever you heard him say just in this moment, let him demonstrate that toward you as you just say yes to it right now. If it's more forgiveness, if it's more hope, if it's more peace, if it's more patience, whatever it is, will you bless him today by just saying yes and receiving it. So Father, thank you that your heart is open and we just say today, in response to your love, fill our hearts with greater measures of yours so that when people encounter us, they will only encounter you and your kingdom will be advanced. So we love you and bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Worship team's gonna lead us worship. If you need to be prayed for, come on down. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.